Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. What a night in Tampa Bay sports. So nice. They did it twice. Now the one-two pitch on its way. Swing and a ground ball right side. This should do it. Brasso has it. Throws the first. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. For the second consecutive season, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to the postseason for the sixth time in team history. As there are high fives and handshakes, the Tampa Bay Rays are on to the postseason once again. Sergachev quick up to Kalorn. Now Anthony Sorelli at center. Sorelli bangs it in and chases. Sorelli after the puck right circle. Can he keep it alive in the right corner? Right corner, good row. Barkley, good row behind the deck. In front, yeah. Sorelli. Shoot! Is it in? Score! Score! Is it in? Is it Sorelli! in? Sorelli! Sorelli! Yep. The Lightning win it! It's over! Stanley Cup final! Here come the Lightning! <laughs> That's the way it sounded with Dave Mishkin. Our thanks to uh, Rays Radio and Lightning Radio for those calls. Man, that was exciting. It's been a while, right, since there's ever been a night like that in uh, in Tampa Bay sports. But both teams making it not only to the postseason, of course, the Lightning going back to the Stanley Cup in what was another overtime win to wrap up a series. That's three straight overtime wins to wrap up series, the first time that's ever been done in uh, the history of the NHL to do that. And there's a, another great stat here. Let me look up real quick. The Lightning have played the most overtime minutes ever in a postseason. 185 minutes and some change. The previous record was 175 minutes and they still have another round to go. Yeah, just just crazy how much hockey they've played to get this far, but they got there. And I got to be honest with you, I, I give a lot of credit to the New York Islanders. They were a tough, tough out. I mean, this, this one literally could have gone any way. I thought the Islanders, um, you know, outplayed the Lightning in, in the third period. And then, um, you know, they had to kill off basically another uh, four-minute four uh, double minor there at the end of uh, regulation. And then to start the overtime, this is the second time this has happened. Uh, and yet uh, the Lightning stuck with it. And you saw uh, the goal by Sorelli, who looked like he was going – he was injured during this game. He took a, had a bad collision. Looked yeah, like a knee-to-knee knee. hit, yeah, with Anders Lee. He, Lee was yeah. trying to stay on, get on side and stretch out, and then Sorelli mm-hmm. was coming back, and and they just kind of collided. It was a complete accident, um, yeah. you know. And and yeah, Sorelli. I mean, we thought he was done for the game. I mean, we just thought, oh, that's a knee sprain or whatever else. But he came back in the third period and ends up with the game winner in overtime. And he's had some big goals in his career. Um, in his junior hockey days, he scored the winner of the Memorial Cup, mm-hmm. uh, among other things. I mean, you know, he's not the biggest goal scorer on the team. Um, you know, he brings so much else to the team. I mean, he could score goals, but he's not like Cooch or Stamkos or, or Braden Point when it comes to goal scoring. But he scored a lot of big goals in his career. None bigger than that one for sure. To stand back to the Stanley Cup, they'll play Dallas. The Stars on uh, Saturday night, I believe that game starts at 730. So 
Uh, not much time off for them. Dallas has been off for a little bit, so here we go with the rest versus rust thing all again. Um, the good news is that Braden Point was back in the lineup, and I don't know how healthy he was, Steve, but just having him on the ice um, made all the difference. They got the first line back together again. Everything seemed to flow um, after that, and the Lightning absolutely came out and dominated um, this hockey game almost from the start, except for the uh, parts of the third period there. Well, what they have, like 46, I think, shots or something like that on goal? Uh, let me look it up here. It was quite a few. Uh, they ended up with, um, if I'm looking at the right one, 35, sh- no, 48 shots on goal. 48. 48 and shots, and they had another 55 that either missed the net or were blocked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they had they had 100 shots, essentially, over 100 shots in the game. Shots, shot attempts in the game. Yeah. Um, look, the Islanders, and you said it, I mean, they played a good game. They mm. are a very good team. Their structure defensively is incredible. Right. Um, you know, the Lightning, look, the Lightning going through this playoffs, playing Columbus and Boston and New York, played three of the top ten defenses in hockey this year. That's a gauntlet, yeah. I mean, they played, and, and make no mistake, the Lightning were the better team in every series. Mm-hmm. The Lightning deserved this series. Now, the Islanders played well, and there were spurts where they controlled play, but for the most part, Tampa Bay was controlling play. They weren't always getting shots through to the net. Right. But they, they controlled most of the play in this series. And and they they rightfully deserve the win. I mean, the Islanders are a good team, but they just don't have the weapons and the offensive firepower that this Lightning team does, as well as how responsible this team has become defensively. Uh, you know, in the five overtime game or the the five period game, double overtime on game five, they gave up twenty four shots in f- almost five periods, mm. five shots a period. I mean, and then tonight you look at the Islanders had twenty seven shots. In three plus periods, I mean, the Lightning defensively are a, such a different team than years past. And, and Barry Trotz talked about it uh, during this series that you know, look, the book on the Lightning was just always you know, every line looked the same, just high skill. And and now they've got grit, they got sandpaper, they play better defensively, they're more responsible, um, they play the game the right way, and and they've deserved to win all three of these series, and, and they've earned it. I mean, you know, through their play. And, and when you get contributions from Barclay Goodrow was phenomenal tonight. Um, yeah, he had uh, he had the main he had the assist for the game. Yeah, well, yeah, and he's the one who made the play and you know was hard on the puck and kept the puck in to get it to Sorelli. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a great night, and, and you know Sorelli gets the game winner, and, and Kucherov's had a whale of a playoffs, and, and he's getting all the accolades for the twenty six points and the twenty assists he's put up so far in these in the, since the restart. Yeah, but his game, two hundred feet of the ice has really impressed me this playoffs. You, you remember last year, particularly after they lost game one, he wasn't in a good mood, ends up getting suspended for game three. Right. And and didn't it wasn't playing very well responsibly on the other end. This year it's a completely different Nikita Kucherov. Braden Point yeah. can move the puck through the, the center of the ice. I mean, what happened in game five is the Lightning had struggled to get the puck through the neutral zone. And they, they struggled mm-hmm. some tonight. And that's because the Islanders are a very good team and, and they clog it up very well. But when you have a guy like Braden Point that is so skilled with it and can move that puck through there. the ice, yeah. it, it opens things up for everybody else, and it makes it makes the Islanders work harder on defense too. So, um, you know, when Braden, you know, the two games they lost in the series were the two games Braden Point was not in. And we didn't even talk about Victor Hedman, who gets his ninth goal to tie uh, Bobby Orr of all people. Yes, um, for defenseman. Uh, yeah, the in, most in goals playoff. before the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, yes, just incredible, and it, it tied it up after. Uh, Devon Tays had the wraparound in the first period, and that's the way it stood until overtime, 1-1. Uh, 
Um, just a great game to watch. Um, you know, outstanding goaltending play on both ends. You know, a, a few times on a couple couple breakaways. Um, you know, Andre Vasilevsky stood up, and and you know, and that's that's what you've got back there. You've got the best goaltender in the mm-hmm. world that can bail you out at times when you make the mistake, mm-hmm. which allows them to to pinch up and do things that other other hockey teams can't do. And that's why Victor Hedman has nine goals. You know, in these playoffs. And Semyon Varlamov for the Islanders played a whale of phenomenal. a game, too. Just um, phenomenal. He got a really good series. I mean, mm-hmm. look, that was a, that's a tough task to stop this Lightning team when, when, when they're playing the way they are with the amount of weapons they have. And don't forget, they're doing this without Steven Stamkos. Yeah, they you are. Know? I mean, you know, when Braden points out and you're like, well, one guy's out, it shouldn't mean that much. But when Braden points out, captain. that's two of your three guys on your top line are out, Stamkos and Point. I mean – you know mm-hmm. how many teams can recover from that and do well in that scenario? Not many, um, and it, it's just you know it goes to the, you know the testament of what the Lightning have and built, and and you know lots of tweets tonight from some of the national media guys, and you know thinking back to 2015 when the Lightning probably made the Stanley Cup a little earlier than they should have. You mm-hmm. know, I mean they had the talent, but you know no one really thought they were quite ready for it yet. You know, you kind of build towards that and. You know, they got swept in 2014 in the first round by Montreal, and then they came back in 15, and, and they end up going all, you know, to the Stanley Cup final. And everyone's like, oh, the Lightning are going to be back here a lot. And while they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals four times in the last six years, they finally get back to the Stanley Cup again for the second time in, in six seasons and, and third time in franchise history. And, you know, it, it's something that a lot of people thought would have happened before now. Um, you know, and, and as John Cooper talked about afterwards, is you got to savor these moments. And, you know, he talked about Brendan Morrow, who was on that 2015 team. They signed him. He was a veteran from Dallas. And, and, and Morrow talked about this when he was on the Lightning that year. He made this, the Stanley Cup final his rookie year in Dallas and thought, ah, oh, this, you know, he'll be this all the time. Not that hard. Mm-hmm. Never didn't make it back till 2015, his last season with the Lightning. Yeah, you know, and and that was you know twelve or fourteen years something like fifteen years later, um, you know it, it, you can't take these things for granted. You know, only two teams every year make the Stanley Cup final. Oh, it's so hard to get there, and when you do, you need to win. I mean, that's that was mm-hmm. that's the key, right? I mean, they had a two-one lead back in the day over Chicago and the Blackhawks the last time they were there, and and the Blackhawks, of course, were in that run where they won three in six years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a very good hockey team, but. No, you absolutely are right. It, it it is a and I still think it's the hardest of all the championships to win because you have to win sixteen games. The the amount of the physicality, mm-hmm. um, the grind that these guys go through. They look like guys, you know, that have been in, a, in, a, in you know some kind of a battle. Um, by the time it's all over, and it's just a war of attrition. You know, who's got enough players, enough of their good players that can still go? And um, you know, I, I I mean, like I said, the things that Julian Breezebot did. In the off season, the acquisitions they've made—they've all worked. They've made them grittier. Um, they've they've made them a better defensive team. There's no doubt about that. And yet, they still have all the skill and speed. I mean, this is a great hockey team. I still think they're the best uh, in the playoffs. And now they have just one opponent left in the Dallas Stars. So, how are they going to match up with Dallas? Well, it's interesting that I, I believe this is the first time ever that a head coach has gone against a former assistant of his in the Stanley okay. Cup Final. Rick Bonus, Bonus yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was here in that 2015 run mm-hmm. um, to the Stanley Cup final with the Lightning. And, and our old friend Ben Bishop, who started skating again this week now, he's been out of the playoffs, played I think one game since the restart and got lit up for four goals in the first period and was pulled and then hasn't been fit to play since. So 
I'm not sure if he'll see time. Anton Kadobin's been doing very well for Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas is another good defensive team. Um, although some of their, if you look at some of the advanced metrics and such in the these playoffs, Dallas is a team where you're going, how did they get this far? Mm. Um, you know, I mean, they're a very good team. They struggled going into the pause um, back in March and then, you know, came out and have done very well since the restart. Um, they're a team that comes from behind a lot, too, in these playoffs. There's been oftentimes they've been down two goals in the third period and will tie it and go to overtime and win it or even win it in, in regulation. Um, so, you know, just getting a lead on this team, you can't sit there and go, hey, you know, just lock it down. We're fine. Um, they're going to come at you. I mean, they're a tough team, a tough out, um, a lot of skilled players. Their back end's very good. Those are probably their best player, you know, um, uh, Hiskinen, and they've got some really Klingberg back there on the back end. Um, Tyler Sagan, of course, on the on the front end, Jamie Benn. Um, Joel Pavelski from the Sharks, longtime veteran from the Sharks, is on there. So, I mean, this is a high-skilled team, but but a, another team that can lock it down. It's going to be a tough series, and they're rested. I mean, you know, we just talked about the Lightning have played 185 minutes of overtime in these playoffs. And they're going to have less than 48 hours till Game 1 starts, where Dallas has been off since, was it Monday night they won? So there's going to be, you know, what, four, five nights off between games, so... That's huge when you get to this point. I mean, I I don't, you know, I definitely think rest is always preferred, especially Mm -hmm. in a sport like hockey when you got guys that are beat up, everybody's hurt. Um, To get your legs back, um, you know, Tampa Bay just coming off a grueling, you know, six-game series of their own, all the overtime games they played. um, It's got to be an advantage for Dallas. And Mm -hmm. yet, um, you know, this will probably be a long series. I don't see anybody wrapping it up in four or five games. You never know. Um, it's it, listen. When you think about this year and what has happened, the pause, the coronavirus. I think I saw. You know, these teams. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have been in a bubble since July, since the end of July, I believe. John Cooper mentioned the press conference tonight. Fifty-four nights they've been in a hotel. I mean, that is there. yeah, July twenty-sixth, I believe, is when they went to the bubble. Yeah, and that is beyond hard, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, they were talking about. One guy on one of the teams uh, had recently had a baby before he left mm-hmm. uh, to go play in the playoffs, and that child is now two months old, <laughs> and yep. he hasn't seen it since it was an infant. I mean, yep. missed two months of its entire life. So, I mean, it really is, in many ways, you know, as hard as it is to win a Stanley Cup, imagine the mental discipline and, and some some very lonely nights. I mean, you're away from wives, you're away from family, you're away from children, all that sacrifice that you're making as a team mm-hmm. um, to to come together, and they have bonded. You know, they've they've done a lot of things together. Uh, there's a there's a pretty good video uh, of them, um, probably at a CFL stadium or somewhere there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they're hitting baseballs at each other. Victor Hedman kicked a 50 yard field goal. Which hello, Bucks, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> hey, I mean, he just walked up there. And, yeah, kickers. well, he's a pretty good athlete. I think if he gets it, yeah. Oh yeah, there it goes. It's good. <laughs> Are, are there like, any six foot six kickers in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, well, he could be one. I mean, the guy's just what can he do? Have we found anything he can't do? Um, just a tremendous athlete. But they were having fun and, and 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 they said, you know, you can't help but get closer as a team. Obviously, there's no choice, but it really, you know, talk about asterisks. Like people are talking about, well, this season and it will wait. Listen, in in so many ways, this has been the hardest Stanley Cup to win. You know, what, whatever what other teams have had to make these sacrifices. Yes, mm-hmm. um, you don't maybe have the grind of traveling back and forth, but you know what you also don't have is the luxury of sleeping in your own bed mm-hmm. and being with your own family. And 
That's that's an incredible or just being discipline. able to do whatever you want in your off time. I mean, exactly. You know, There's whatever you to like go. to do, whether it's yeah. you know go to the park or or what know, you want to eat, go out to eat with your family or whatever right. whatever your passion is. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get to do that outside of what's in that bubble. There, I mean, they don't. Yeah. You know, you can't leave the bubble. You, yeah, I mean, this is this is a grind. Like I've said all along with the asterisks, is is this year different for all these sports? Absolutely, but everybody's going through the same thing. An asterisk mm-hmm. to me is, if you think Barry Bond cheated and, and did steroids and the home run record shouldn't count, the then Houston put an asterisk. Astros banging garbage cans. Exactly. Yeah. That's an unfair advantage that a team had. In this right. case, everybody everybody went through the same ordeal. So why is there an Is it different? Yes. But an asterisk? Asterisk means, like, it doesn't count. It's, yeah. It's and, an and, exception. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe baseball is the one you could kind of say that because it wasn't a 162-game season. You went through 60. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. NHL did, what, a 70-game regular season, essentially. So right. it was like 85% of the regular season. So you're close enough. So maybe baseball you go, okay, but with the expanded teams in there, I don't understand how you could say it doesn't work. But And, and speaking of baseball. Yeah, well, good segue. Uh, that's a radio term. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays wrap up, um, you know, wrap up a, a playoff spot anyway by sweeping the Orioles. Those both those games were interesting. Um, at one point, game two was six six. Mm-hmm. I looked up; it was now ten six. <laughs> um, I don't know what happened there. Joey Wendell, I think, hit a, hit a big home run. Well, he hit the game tying home run. I saw that. Okay, yeah. So um, they obviously got the bats going. Now it had been mm-hmm. a problem until they got to Baltimore, hey, and then some, but, but sometimes got the bats going in Baltimore, which is even more amazing because that's yeah. been a house of horrors. Right. Well, I don't know if you saw it. Game one, you know, Willie yep. Adamas has been as lost as, as any player on that team all year, and that's saying something because about a week ago we were talking about Austin Meadows. He took the four – he had four Ks. He struck out four times in game one. This is a seven-inning game, struck out four times. I don't even know what you call that. The golden sombrero is three. I don't know what four is. Um, but then in the second game, his first at-bat, boom, home yep. run. And amazingly enough, that's a home game. Yes, it was. The second game yes, was a home game. He doesn't hit it at home, although it was at Oriole Park. But That's right. <laughs> That's right. you got to count it. That's a home home run. It counts right as a home stat. So. Yeah. Well, they got to get him going, but they, they did have some uh, yeah. some bats going, which was a good thing yeah, to but see. But Austin Meadows left game one with a, what, oblique strain, I think they, I saw. Yeah, and, you know, Kevin Cash, after, between games and the Zoom, said that they were just being – he goes, it's really me just being overly cautious. I really don't think anything's uh, wrong with him. We'll see. We'll have him checked out. He goes, but I don't want to take any chances at this stage. Um, so, you know, hope hope for the best. Hope hope it was just a tweak or a mm-hmm. twinge, um, something not that serious because they can't afford really to lose um, any more bats, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, w- what a job. I mean, you know, st- think about this. The Rays have been playing baseball for a minute, right? This is just their sixth, their sixth trip to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Cash now has done it two years in a row, so he owns he owns thirty three percent of them. It's only the second time they've done it two years in a row made the playoffs. That's right in their history. So you know, matching guys like Joe Ma, uh, and you know, listen, if he, I know he finished third in Manager of the Year a year ago. I don't know who's going to top him this year. Um, but well, you got the White Sox, the White Sox maybe who got the best well, record in the American League. That's that's true. Yeah, that's very true. It could go that way. Um, but the Rays have a chance now to 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 win the American League East. Still, they are, I think they have a three and a half game lead or so over the Yankees. I want to say. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, Rick Renteria for the the White Sox, which you know, great story is he was the manager of the Cubs. He was the one the Cubs got rid of for Joe Madden. Yeah, and then 
You know, now he's over with the White Sox, and they've got the best record in the American League by a half game over the Rays at this point. Um, yeah. Well, the Rays are three and a half games up in the division on the Yankees. Toronto's really falling off. They're six games back now. So, mm-hmm. so you're, you'll see the Yankees can get to 39 wins, which means the Rays uh, to make sure you pass them would be the magic number seven. But I think mm-hmm. you have the tiebreaker with them, so I think it's really six to clinch the division. I believe. Yeah, because they won the series, the season series. Yes, dominated it. So, if mm-hmm. the postseason started now, I think the Rays would play the Indians. Would be their the team, which would be tough because you're going to get some really tough pitching in that mm-hmm. series in a, in a three game series. You're going to face yep. some pretty tough. Although they will as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so congratulations to Kevin Cash and those guys again. More more sacrifice, right? More guys, not in a mm-hmm. bubble, but mm-hmm. having to come back from COVID, a bunch of them, um, a lot of young players, guys like a Rosarina and, and different ones coming up and making contributions. Mm-hmm. All the pitching injuries they had, I think 12 or so guys going on the IL. Well, even think back to the beginning of the season when they were struggling and you're going, it's a 60-game season. How could you be struggling? And right. in fourth place in the division and a couple games below 500. And it was like, mm-hmm. then they went on that tear, what, like 19 to 23 or something like that? Yeah. That, you know, I mean, incredible run. And in a short season, that's, you know, over that's a 30-year everything. season, you went on that kind of run. That's incredible. Yep. Um, and, you know, good on the Rays, and, and they just find ways to do it. I mean, that team, the rest of baseball and the sports world can't figure that team out. Uh, and I mean, and they're all starting to recognize how good of a team it is now. I mean, you know, the past few years it's always kind of like, oh, yeah, the Rays, you know, they do well with no money, and, you know, they, they try. And, and, yeah, yeah, you know, but, but now, uh, you know, you've got Rays executives and coaches all over the place. Um, oh, I think and, baseball and, knows how good they are. Yeah, I think I think they finally rigged, figured it out last year. Mm-hmm. I think they finally figured out. Wow, I mean, this is not just a gimmick anymore. This the, this team they know how to win at the big league level. They you know the things they do and track and, and is it's just it works from the opener to everything else. And then you look at their minor league system, which is loaded. So deep, so deep and, with all is, the pitching what, injuries. Yeah, that's what gives them the depth they have and the ability to call guys up. Is you know their farm system is incredibly deep. Uh, even with the injuries and guys coming up, it's still one of the best farm systems in baseball. Yeah. No, it really has been something to watch. And so that would just leave the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> what? Now they're just getting started. They have well, a tough act to follow. You got the goat. You got, you got the goat. So what What could go wrong except week one? And um, we finally had a chance to talk to Tom Brady on Thursday, um, you know, since since after the game. And, of course, there's been we, – we talked about this now many times on, on the podcast, the back and forth uh, with Bruce Arians calling out Brady for his interceptions, being very critical of him, um, saying that he, he needs, uh, you know, more uh, determination and practice and that sort of thing. And all of New England and points around the United all States of New England, lost uh, – The whole sports world did. They lost their minds. I oh, mean, every just sports completely... show that was on today it was just like, you know, yeah. what is What's Bruce Arians doing? doing and you can't right. do this? And it was just like – Right, really, right, and it, it really, it really was over the top, and is over the top. And I got to be honest with you, I thought it was a nothing burger. Uh, listening to Tom Brady, <laughs> I mean, he was. Let's say I would describe his response as terse, <laughs> and and basically all he said is, "Well, look, you know, I'm a player. He's the coach, trying to win. So it wasn't exactly nothing's. There's nothing here between us now." Excuse me. I will tell you, um, in my discussions with people over there who see Tom every day, 
uh, and are, you know, and guys that, that coach him. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, they're like, it's never even come up. Like he is, you know, it wasn't even sure he was aware, uh, that what B had, BA had said. Um, I have a feeling he was aware before the zoom call, but oh, he was aware. Yeah. But, but if he wasn't aware, just she would have told him, but uh, you know, and, and, and clearly he, he didn't want to talk about it. Now there's a number of reasons why you wouldn't want to talk about it, right? One, you're just ticked about it. You think it's the war, you know, it's blasphemous that he called you out. Um, or, or perhaps there's no win here. I mean, what, well, what are you going to say? I, I threw the balls. They weren't good. Um, well, he he's said the after the game, you know, look, I made mistakes I can't make. I mean, you know, he yeah. called himself out after the oh, game. Oh, he's as accountable as anybody, yeah. but he's probably not used to the coach being that accountable well, that yeah. publicly. Yeah, you don't want to be called out publicly, but but at the same time, I don't think Tom Brady would say he didn't deserve it. No, I don't think he would. And 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 the other part of it is is that, you know, he chose to be here, and you know he knew who BA mm-hmm. was. You know, we mm-hmm. talked to Byron Leftwich about it, and he goes, look, I haven't talked to Tom. I don't. I don't know that there's anything there. He goes, but that's just B.A. being B.A. And you know that if Brady talked to Peyton Manning or Carson Palmer or Ben Roethlisberger, which you can assume he probably did, um, that he he knows about this. He knows that Arians will call out players in the media uh, and then to their face. Um, and maybe he was trying to light a spark. I really don't know. I don't think Brady is the problem. I think everybody else on that team has to adapt his same urgency Apparently they've had a good practice. Um, unfortunately for them, it looks like Chris Godwin might be out because for the second day in a row he wasn't there because he's in concussion, concussion protocol. He took that hit uh, from DJ Swearinger on fourth down late in the game, helmet to helmet, which will probably get Swearinger fined, and he hasn't been uh, quite the same. He came back, um, no symptoms Monday and Tuesday, came back with concussion syndrome sy- symptoms on Wednesday, uh, and so – you know, it looks like he could be out. So once again, Brady might not have his, uh, both all pro or pro bowl receivers. And and Mike Evans said that, you know, he was responsible for that first interception. He misread the coverage, thought it was cover two, turned out to be quarters. Nonetheless, uh, about his ang- about his hamstrings, he, he said that it's just something he's always had to deal with. It's a chronic situation at this point to some degree. Um, and he could run pretty well and pretty fast straight ahead but when he had to cut and do some things um it was painful and you know without having practice that really affects your ability to be incorporated into the game plan and know exactly what you're doing out there and all of that um but he's the healthy of the two and so um they're hoping that you know that he can play but yeah i mean brady um look he's he's bounced back he's lost three season openers in his career he's 14 and 3 on opening day and after losing those three games, in each season, I think his team uh, went to the Super Bowl. And, he, and you know, he followed them all week. The week two, he followed all always up with wins. Um, in fact, I think his record, you know, after losing is is, is something like, you know, 7-8-something uh, percent. 7-80-something, um, I should say. So, you know, I, again, I don't think – that there's a ton of bad blood being spilt over there. He clearly didn't want to talk about it. He was more interested in talking about the process of trying to get this team mm-hmm. turned around and have their focus on everything and their attention to detail. You know, he said, you know, at some point you can't just look at each other after games and go, yeah, that was a miscommunication. You know, I thought mm-hmm. he was going to do this and he thought I was going to do that. And he goes, you know, at some point 
And sooner than later, you have to just say, you know, we got this, you know, and, and know what you with, with what each of you are doing. Um, and so that's what he's kind of been emphasizing in practice this week. Well, and as, as I mean, look, it's the New England mindset. We're on the yeah, Carolina. Totally. Totally. I mean, we're on Carolina. Yeah. You, you know, you, you look back to learn from those mistakes, but there's no sense harping on whatever happened. I mean, it mm. was a bad game. Um, and, you know, but it was your first game and, and all the scenarios why we said it was predictable they were going to lose. Now, you didn't expect Brady to maybe have a couple bad throws the way he did. But, you, you know, you didn't expect to go in and win in New Orleans. Not not no. game one from a, you know, a bona fide no Super Bowl contender. No yeah. preseason. You know, you, you've you got a new quarterback and system and everything, and, and, you know, it's Sean Payton and Drew Brees who have been together, and it's, they're probably the best team in the in the NFC at this point. Um, you can make a case on a couple other teams, but New England or New Orleans is right up there. So, you know, I, look, I think it really starts this week and how they do against Carolina. That's what you, now you can really start to judge this team and see what it is, and, and hopefully you're going to see improvements every week as they go along because the more time, the more experience they get with Brady and, and all his weapons and, and that, and the defense too. Will, you know, can, although the defense played pretty well in New Orleans, to be honest. Um, but they're, going they to continue, they're still young, particularly on the back end. They're going to continue to get better too. Judging from his tone, um, he he may hang fifty on somebody this week. You could just see how how uh, how serious he is about everything, and and you know with the questions, he just dismisses them. Now, if he know, hangs the, fifty on Carolina, manner. if he hangs fifty on Carolina, is the national media going to stop sitting there going, "How could Bruce Arians do that?" I, no, <laughs> they'll just wait till the next time that Bruce Arians yeah. rips them, <laughs> and then they'll ju- then they'll say, "Oh my God, he he doubled down, he tripled down." Um, Bruce Arians will have plenty of good things to say about Brady when he when he deserves it, I'm sure. Um, and that'll probably be sooner than later. But, yeah, this whole thing, I think, caught Arians by surprise. I think it's caught a lot of people by surprise that didn't cover Brady for 20 years because Belichick, you know, ruled with such an iron, iron fist. He didn't say really that much publicly about any of his players. Um, they were all just one. But, um, you know, we'll have a chance. The Bucks' final preparation, of course, is... Uh, today uh, in what amounts to a little better than a walkthrough, but some red zone stuff. We'll see if Chris Godwin is cleared from the concussion protocol. Um, you know, that's got to be examined by an independent neurologist. And since it was late onset symptoms, I'm not sure he'll make it back this week. But then, you know, a week ago, um, Mike Evans was 25% or doubtful. Mm-hmm. And he made it all the way to opening day. And, you know, he, we talked to him on the Zoom as well and he said that um you know he he didn't feel 100 percent. they they kind of limited um some of his action and you know he was okay he said when he ran straight ahead but cutting at times um you know was problematic um but but he also thinks that whatever he's got is not something that can get any worse uh just by playing unless you know unless there's something freak that happens but um, you know, so I think Mike will be ready to go and, you know, we'll see, we'll see if Godwin can make it back or not. It's kind of out of the buck's hands. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So it's going to be an exciting weekend, of course, with the Bucks uh, hosting Carolina. And then you got uh, the Lightning on Saturday before that. Game one of the Stanley Cup Finals against Dallas. And then the Rays uh, continue their series in Baltimore as uh, a chance to try to clinch now the American League East pennant. So that'll be... Don't forget USF at Notre Dame on Saturday as well. That's right. Well, God bless them. (laughs) Hey, hey, nine years ago they went up there and won. Well, I know. But if only they had the players from that team nine years ago that were still here. Um, look, they, you know, that, that team did, you know, they played the Citadel, which was, um, probably not one of the better, mm-hmm. uh, FBS teams, but, um, but what I liked about, you know, Jeff Scott's team is, um, in addition to running the ball for about 300 something yards, both quarterbacks were really efficient. They had some special teams plays in there. The best thing, only five penalties yes. and no turnovers. They were disciplined. Think, they were disciplined, five, which they weren't last year. They weren't last year. Hell, go back to Willie Taggart's years. I mean, I mean, really, Charlie Strong's teams were were a disaster when it came to penalties and mm-hmm. um, and turnovers, and and so was Willie Taggart's. This guy goes out here, and in game one, they have only five penalties and no turnovers. That's really getting your point across, you yes. know. And so, if you can play clean, any team, you know, teams will be better than you. They're going to beat you. Notre Dame is deeper. I think USF ended up starting, you know, three offensive linemen that weren't starters that were out. So yeah, they know, had a lot of players at the last minute ruled unfit to play or whatever they're saying in college. So yeah, so you know, and that may be the case some in Notre Dame too. But um, you know, for them to go out there and make that kind of an accounting of themselves, it's really really good. And mm-hmm. you know, they'll take their lumps at Notre Dame and take the check and say thank you very much. And you know, upsets do occasionally happen. Um, maybe Jordan McLeod will go nuts. You know, you just don't know. But uh, but it's a it's a great great experience and great environment. Um, you know, for USF up there with uh, in South Bend and Touchdown Jesus and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good for them. So a lot of lot of college football. Of course, we'll talk about on Monday um, for the second day in a row. We had a chance to visit with my friend, former columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. Tom Jones and talk a little college football in the Big Ten coming back. So, Tom, here's the thing about college football. It started, and they're playing it, and they're playing it successfully. And even some places, they have kids that aren't wearing masks, like Florida State. That are oh, my gosh. To. What was that, I have by no the way? Idea. I have no idea. It was supposed to be a rule, and they all just said, nah, we're not going to do it. I just woke up and like, that's it. COVID's over. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get the memo, but that's what happened. Exactly. So college football is back, and it wasn't back in the in the Pac-12, and it, it certainly wasn't back in the Big Ten, although there had been lots of rumors upon innuendo, upon screaming and hollering from Ohio State and, and uh, Jim Harbaugh and, and different places, Wisconsin, uh, that they should be playing. Well, you know what happened? They all sat home. They all watched football be played. That's exactly and what And suddenly the advice they were given a couple of weeks ago to not play for medical reasons, yeah, that didn't matter anymore. So exactly. what, what's, you hit it what's right happened in the Big Ten that all of a sudden now they're going to try to play like an eight-game schedule, I guess? that's What I, what I want to know is what changed. What exactly changed? And I don't want to hear, well, players complained and parents complained and lawyers got involved. If the science changed and they truly believe, okay, we can do more rapid testing, we can, do, we can have a better handle on it, that's fine. But that's not what we – we didn't hear anything immediately after the vote came down to play. 
And that was the, that was the problem that I had, Rick. Is that, and I think you hit it right on the head. They looked around and said, "Wait a minute, we're going to let the ACC play, and we're going to watch. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch the, the SEC play, and we're going to every sit conference home. but them in the Pac-12." Right? And I thought they got scared, Rick, because I think, look, you know how this all works with recruiting and all this. That oh. that this was going to be used against the Big Ten, and this is well, going to yeah, be well. used against the Pac-12. Like, look, when push comes to shove, fellas, do you want to go play for a conference that's going to shut things down? Or do you want to come play for us? We're going to play football here. And I think they got scared. I think that was a big part of it. Now, they're, they're going to come out and say, well, like I said, we, we learned more about the, the, um, you know, the testing. The spread, the testing. All, we got better testing. Better testing. That, and I think that's what they're going to try to, to sell to the public is this testing. And maybe that's true. But, Rick, it's, I, 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 two things happened. I think one was they got scared. The other thing was they made this decision so early. Yes, Back in before August. they even had to, actually. Right, yeah. and it's they could have probably let it play out a little bit more. But I think they let the kids and the parents talk them into this. I really do. I really believe that's what happened. And um, and I think the answer is, why are they playing? Because they want to play. Not because it's safe. Not because we learn more. I think the answer is, well, we really want it. And, but I hope, Rick, they're not on the wrong side of history. I have a feeling they... They could end up being, but I, I hope not. But I, I, I just I think they could end up on the wrong side of history here. But don't the, the I mean the school presidents have the say here, right? Am I am I not right about that? I mean they are essentially the the, the leaders of their institutions and 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 what makes up the Big Ten. So it has to start there. And well, I think it's exactly where it starts. Steve, 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 and I were talking about this earlier. I mean, Steve, I think you have a pretty good. I've thought all along, particularly in the Big Ten, that the presidents don't really care about athletics for the most part. And and I'm generalizing there may be some presidents that do. But I think this was a way to put athletics in its place, and they didn't care that there wasn't athletics, so go ahead and cancel it. This gives them a reason. And they didn't anticipate the blowback they'd get. Wow. I think that makes a lot of sense. It brings in a heck of a lot of money, though, does it not, for those institutions? Well, but, okay, so let's say – Michigan or Ohio State, two of the Big Ten programs that bring in the most money, brings in you know one hundred and forty, hundred fifty million, whatever the athletic department. They spend all that money on soccer and track and field and the athletic department. So none department. of it's going to the There's, general. Most colleges don't make money on their athletic programs. Yes, mm-hmm. the football program does, but it pays for everybody else. If you look at, I think there's only a handful of colleges that that make money on their athletic department year after year. Yeah, well, that's that, that and that's the whole goal, right? right? Is to spend everything you make and say mm-hmm. we need more exactly. locker rooms, more equipment, sure. more. Yeah, it's an arms race to, to beat this school and this school. So if if yeah. you're not really making that much money, and those presidents care about the academic part of the institution, they don't care about the athletic part. And I'm generalizing, and, and there may be some that do, but as a, as a rule, it's they care more about. The, the the medical program or the this program, and, and that's their job as the president. I mean, that's ultimately it's an academic institution first. But no, it, and I I think Steve's onto something here, Rick. Because I mean, I think we look back and we've seen look we've seen this in a lot of places. But I could I'll give you two Big Ten examples of places where where maybe coaches got too much power. Joe Paterno at Penn State and Bob Knight at Indiana. Now two sure. two different circumstances. For what mm-hmm. ended up their their demise, but in both cases they were almost like those were the guys that ran the schools, and um, and so I think Steve's on to something. I think there there is, and then when, then we saw what happened with Ohio State with Urban Meyer, and how how that ended there. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, and 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 then all of a sudden there what the blowback was something else, and I got in Rick. I thought you made a great point just a minute ago. Is that it's it was hard to to justify. We're not playing. We're being safe. Oh wait, Miami's and Pitt are playing this. You know, schools that are. I mean, Pitt's right down the road from Penn State. Syracuse is right down the road from Penn State. I mean, right. Virginia is not all that far from Rutgers or whatever, you know? So we'll take Ohio state. I mean, you know, the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals are playing. The Cincinnati Bearcats are playing. Right. And Ohio state's not right. Yeah. Well, you've also got high school football going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. the high schools are out there and and those kids. So I, I just think, yeah, I think the optics are bad. I think it's hard to sit there and, and, and watch. And, you know, there's players who, you know, maybe have one more year, they're not going to go pro and, um, then there's others that might transfer, you know, and, and, and I mean, there's a whole host of problems about it. What we got to hope and pray and is that there's not, you know, more outbreaks. Um, they're only playing an eight game schedule. But aside from that, wherever SEC, any conference, you don't want people getting sick. And I'm still, you know, I look at what's going on at these college campuses in places like Iowa, you know, and, and I just wonder how in the hell you know, are you going to really be successful? Because these guys aren't going to be in a bubble. They're going to be on campus. They're going to be around other students. Um, how are you going to keep, you know, keep this contained? And, I mean, even the non-Power Power School, I went to Arkansas State, right, and they played Memphis and they were on national TV, and then they beat Kansas State, which was a big win for them. They had to cancel their game against Central Arkansas or, or move it because they had too many guys with COVID on a certain unit. It wasn't like the entire team, but it was like basically – let's say they're out of offensive linemen, right? And it wouldn't wouldn't make right. sense to play. So the teams that are playing, they're having trouble. And their campuses are full of COVID. And I I just don't know. I understand why the Big Ten wanted to jump back in the pool, you know, because the party wasn't over. Um but I I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna bring the college game to a conclusion. I'm pretty sure in fact, I'm damn sure the NFL is going to play their whole season. And I would be surprised if anybody misses a game. Really? Yes. See, I'm, I'd be stunned if they get through a season where we don't have one situation. where. Well, you say gonna, like a team situation? where, the, where Yeah, the team where, where like play? 20 guys test positive for it. Yeah, see, I, and I think they've accounted for even uh, you know a number of people to have that happen. But I've been over there, and I'm just here to tell you that it's such a – you know, over the top uh, testing, um, you know, mask wearing, sanitizing, and also, you know, also a league that, you know, they got tons of practice squad players, they got extra practice squad players, they got guys that can bring him off the street. I mean, Josh Rosen is a practice squad guy. He was a first round pick two years ago. Right. You know, so you've got guys on top of guys wanting to take guys' jobs. And I don't think. You know, be very few players, I think, that will jeopardize their careers. There's got to be um, a knucklehead or two, though, that's going to screw it up. There'll be a though, few, but but not enough, not enough to take down an entire team. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm pretty convinced of this. I think the NFL. I mean, they had like zero percent one week. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm convinced they're going to make. It. I don't know that the colleges can do that. I don't know that they can. Well, there's so that. many more players and so many more. Right, teams. and they don't have the resources. I mean, we got labs at every every NFL city, you know, where you walk in and there are full-time paid uh, RNs and others working there doing nothing but testing every day, all day long. Well, and that's the other question that comes with the Big Ten, too, is this this 
okay, increased testing. Are are we are those kids getting tested? And is it taking taking away testing from other people that yeah. in the general population? Well, the answer to that is no. And I say that because the same question was posed to the NFL. They're not because they're contracting with these labs who are only opening and hiring extra people to do this for them. Um, but you understand the optics look. No, I know what the optics are, but it's a, it's big business. And they and if you have enough money, I'm going to let you in on a secret here, Tom. You ready for this? <laughs> Here's a big one. In the in a capitalist society like the like the U.S. is, if you have enough money, you don't have to play by any rules. It just works that way. You go straight to the front of the line, my yeah, friend. That's true. Well, if you Kinda remember, like but you, if you remember too, the NHL and NBA when they shut their seasons down. You know, part of the hesitation to open back up and what took so long is they wanted to make sure they had enough testing, but without hurting the general public, too. They had to, you know, these companies had to ramp up production of the test and staffing and all that. Oh, yeah, it took some time. Before they all resumed. I mean, all these leagues were very aware of that and didn't want to be, you know, hey, there's there's no test for the general public, but we're, you know, we're we're playing and getting tested daily. Right. Um, You know, that was part of what took so long for them to get to where they got to. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And now we're not there anymore. Right. But I still, you know, and then the other thing is, okay, so let's say you play eight games and, and, and maybe one or two get canceled for certain teams, but you declare a Big Ten champion. Are they going to be included now in the national championship picture? Oh, I think they would be, yeah, at that point. Yeah. And, and look, I still think Ohio State was a big driving force behind this. And, Absolutely, and a big reason why is they have a really good football team, and they yeah, want to, and, and a good quarterback who they, you know, might maybe the best of all time that they've ever had there. Right. So, it, just to tell you a story. So the other day, Rick, uh, Christine Brennan, who I think is a <clears throat> terrific columnist for mm-hmm. USA Today, she wrote a column basically criticizing the Big Ten for saying, eh, "I think you're making a mistake," and she called it the darkest day in Big Ten history. Whoa. And she said, well, you just became, and I understand what she was saying. She wasn't trying to make a comparison to anything else. But, of course, the way people took it was, well, wait a minute, worse than Jerry Sandusky? Worse than Larry Nasser, the, you know, the, the gymnast yeah. coach at, at Michigan State? Um, and so that's what people jumped all over. And But what happened was I retweeted her and just said, uh, I retweeted the column, and I said, excellent column by Christine Brennan. My mm-hmm. my point being was I thought she made really good points about why it's a bad idea for, for the, the Big, Big Ten, Ten to, come back, right. to come back. And the and the the vitriol that I got in return, go back and look. You can go look at my Twitter feed. It was nasty. And one guy, I mean, <laughs> really nasty stuff. But most of it, I, I just for the fun of it on some of it, because that, that stuff typically doesn't bother me. I mean, people can... They're going to call me names or whatever. You get you deal with it too, Rick. It's it's just part of the Twitter world. <laughs> no, no one's ever called me <laughs> exactly, Tom. But I, but some but just for the, I'm on vacation this week, so part of me yeah. was like, oh, I'll just look up. And a lot of them were they're huge they're huge Big Ten football fans. They're right. football fans, and they're and a lot of them. And I'm not just picking Ohio State because look, this every school has this. No, but there's a lot of Ohio State people right. down here. It's Michigan. important for Ohio State though to to play, and. Um, it's, it's and I'm sure, look, I'm sure the schools that want to play most are Ohio state and Penn state and Michigan, Wisconsin does yeah. in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not hearing a whole lot out of Rutgers. I don't hear many no. people from Indiana that, griping. You know? No, wait till toes we get the basketball season. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The Indiana toes are on the up. line in great in, uh, <laughs> at, at Rutgers. Exactly. But anyway, so I, I do think there's this, 
I just wish the mentality was if we gave everybody true serum, like, why are we doing this? Well, because we want it. We like it. I like football, too. I like college football. I follow Penn State football. You know me. I, I watch. I like college football. I mean, is there anything better on Saturday no. morning than college game day? No. Getting up and what? And I was one of those guys who would get up and turn on college game day at 9 a.m. Me too. And I'm watching like Hawaii and Fresno State at like 1.30 <laughs> a.m. You know, after yeah. what? After, and like literally watching Binge 13 football. and a half hours of football. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. I just, I think this is a mistake. I think, I think we're going to regret it. I hope and not. When you say regret it, you don't mean just the Big Ten. You mean college football in general. Nah, college you mean football the SEC, in general. Right. ACC, all right. of them. Right. I do. I think it's I think it's a mistake. I think people are I don't I don't trust people enough to do it right. I trust yeah. the, some and and I trust some people with it. I think there are some responsible people. But the other thing I don't trust, Rick, is uh, I think some of this is political. I think we're gonna we're, you know, it's sort of the um, No doubt. You know, we're 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 gonna play because life has to go on, sort of and they've turned it into a, a political issue. I also think clearly you just mentioned. I mean, the big thing is it's a money thing. It's a, it's important to play financially for these schools. Yeah, you better. And I and I think those things have all taken precedent over what's really truly good for the health of these kids, and not only just the kids, but everybody else. Like the the, the thing I'm sick of hearing, Rick, and we can have long debates all we want about um, about coronavirus and closing it down masks and all that i i'm not i'm not looking to get into a big political debate but what frustrates me more than anything is talking about how health well these kids are healthy kids these are 20 20 year olds they're healthy that's fine but these 20 year olds don't live in a bubble by themselves as with just other 20 year olds they go no, out into they the go public home to with 60 year olds and 80 year olds and five year olds yep and that's the thing is if they were like the NBA, the NBA wants to play. They all go to Orlando, and they're, and none of them are getting out. I'm done with that. That's not happening in college football. It's not. And so, and then when I see things like the other day at Florida State, where it for all of a sudden seventeen thousand fans looked like seventy thousand fans, and they're mm-hmm. climbing on to all over one another. No one's wearing a mask. And then those kids are going. Now they wouldn't be there if there wasn't for a football game. And now they're going to Publix where I go, and they're going to. Uh, gas Different stations places, where yeah. I go, yeah, you know where I have to go. I have to get gas. I I have to get groceries, right? And and so uh, that's the thing that frustrates me. Don't if you want to give me the excuse of like, look, they're doing their best, they're testing, but but this whole thing, like, they're twenty year olds. If they get it, they'll be fine. Well, if they get it, they pass it to other people. That's the that's problem. A good I point. Have. Yeah. yeah, and there's no guarantee they'll be fine. They're younger and younger all the time. We're getting sick with this, and look, we may have another wave with the flu season coming on. It's starting to spike a little bit more in the European countries. I mean, so we're we're a long ways from um, I'm just afraid we don't know, Rick, that we don't know what we don't know what we don't know still. Still right. after all this time, we don't know what we don't know. And we're going to read stories about this 5, 10, 15 years from now about people who had COVID in the year 2020 and the Absolutely. ensuing health problems that they had over the rest of their lives. I look, I love college football, I love sports. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I haven't watched any sports. And I'm and I'm not gonna sit here right now and say I'm boycotting college football. I feel a little weird watching it, but I'm not gonna sit here. I watched a little bit of it the other day, I'll admit. Yeah. And I watched the Rays and I've watched the Lightning and I watched the Bucks on Sunday and I'll watch mm-hmm. them this Sunday. It's so entertainment. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not like a, I'm I'm like everybody. I, I'm ready for this to be over too. But I also don't want to see kids die yeah. because 
Why? Because I wanted something to do on Saturday afternoon. Right. Well, that's that's going to be you know, it, God forbid if, if uh, with as many players and um, COVID that's out there, God forbid somebody who's compromised and doesn't know it gets sick and and that happens because I think that'll change sort of everybody's perspective. But look, I, I also understand that if you're the Big Ten or a Big Ten player and you're sitting home and you're watching, you know other leagues play on college sure. football and it feels like college football and it seems to be like they can do it. Why can't we? Um, I just, I don't know, you know, how they could have prevented it. I mean, no, you're exactly right. If just, everybody, if the big 10 had been the first to go and said, we're canceling the season. Right. And everybody else, including the sec followed suit. So yeah, okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to be with you on this. Right. And they had the same information today. They wouldn't come back. They would not come back if everybody. No. But I think you're. I think you hit the main point, Rick. Was we everybody sat and watched games last week. We watched the games, and there's going to be more. And now there's going to be more with the SEC cranking up. Oh, heck here yeah. in a couple of weeks. So and that's the only league that matters. I'll tell you along those same lines. This whole thing about not having fans in the NFL. You know, only five teams started the season with fans. Two of them in Florida, right? Ron DeSantis wants people in the seats and. Miami and, and Jacksonville. And I think I that's Super Bowl related, by the way. Yeah, I well, I do geared, too. We're but, looking ahead to February already. Right, but but um, the Bucks decided not to do it, and the Glazers decided not to do it, and frankly, um, 27 other teams decided not to do it. And why? Because they want somebody else to make the mistakes. Yeah. Because they want them to go out there and show them what's good about it and what's bad. Right. And I, I think It's like the old joke about the old – uh, well, it's not a joke, but it was like we're in the newspaper business, and and years ago they were talking about putting up paywalls, right, for newspapers, and someone said that ah, sounds like a great idea, and everybody used to say, yeah, I'll be the second paper to try it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else make the mistake first. And that's we'll, right, and we'll that's that to me is is the reason why when the Panthers you know come in here on Sunday, there's not going to be any fans there because they want they want to see the other kinks, they want to see people work them out, they want to see what problems arise, and. Um, I don't think they're done with the stadium. And so, yeah, all that all that factors into it. But we're going to have Big Ten football, it looks like, and we got college football, and that's good that it's back. Um, what also is back, of course, is the political season. And uh, you write for Pointer.org, the, uh, the newsletter there. Lots of campaign stuff going on. We're not that far from the election. We've got debates coming up. Debates coming. Now, now about those, have they settled on – when and where, and and I heard, uh, you know, I was listening to one of these stations that's uh, uh, prone to some conspiracy theories, but uh, in, and nonetheless, they were talking about how uh, how maybe maybe uh, Vice President Biden might want to do those debates remotely rather than be in like the same. Have you heard this? Have you heard? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to do talk? it. Uh, I think they're going to end up doing it in person. Uh, they've set the dates for it. They've set the moderators for it. Chris Wallace from Fox News will be the first one. I think he's very good, by the way. I think way. he's very good, and he did a really good job in 2016 when he uh, he moderated a debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and he got yeah. rave reviews for for being tough on both sides, being fair. Right. I th- I'm a big fan of Chris Wallace. I think he does a really good job, uh, and I would expect him. And he, he did the interview recently with uh, with Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, that, that was a that, good interview. Yeah, they pushed him pretty hard, and which is something that quite. I mean, honestly, not everybody at Fox News treats the president as tough as Chris Wallace does. So right. uh, that'll be good. But uh, I think they're, I think they are going to do everything. I think everything will end up being in person and um, that should be exciting. There's look, there's one, I don't know if you had anything else to add. There was one other thing I wanted to end on a happy note here before. I yes, left. absolutely. So do you have an extra 29 million 
laying around. And if is it true that if J- Derek Jeter sells the house, it, is, where's Brady? Go, is Brady going to bunk with you for a couple weeks? Just you and him bunking um, instead of living in a van down by the river. <laughs> He's going to bunk with you. He hasn't called me. We do have a room. Um, and there are kids are about the same age. So I'm just saying. But, um, you know, I don't – apparently when he when he leased that place, part of the agreement was that if it's – when it's going to be sold, that they would have to agree to have people show the house. Now, here's the thing about that. You can't just call and say, hey, uh, can I see can – I, can, can I do a walkthrough of the house? I, I really – I kind of want to think about buying it, but I don't have a chance because I don't have any money. You got to go through like, I mean, you know, a bank to get financing and to show that you're good for it um, before you can even entertain going over there. But I don't know what Brady's going to do. I don't know. Boy, that place, though, have you seen the pictures of the, the insides of that place? I've seen not not a, I've seen a lot of the pictures of the outside. And the thing oh, that no, blew me inside. away, Rick, they got, what, twice as many bathrooms as bedrooms? They've got like I've sixteen bathrooms, like at least half baths. Eight. Yeah, I'm not sure half. why you would need that many to have parties, right? You'd have to have that many to have like parties. I guess, I guess that would be it, right? That would be the only the sole purpose because everybody's got to go at once. But it is it is a phenomenal. Like he, whoever designed that place, um, you know, my hats off to him. I mean, it's fit for a Brady because, I mean, it is it is absolutely gorgeous and. I'll be interested to see who who ends up, you know, purchasing. Well, that's the it. thing. Does anybody can? I, and clearly, yes. somebody can. The answer to your question is can, yes. Does anybody who live in Tampa Bay af- can afford that yes, house? Yes, absolutely. Twenty nine million dollars. Sure, that's crazy somebody. money, man. It's it's not so money, but like, you know, he'll probably get it. And it's Saint Petersburg. I mean, it's a gorgeous place. I don't know if it's worth it, but there's. See, that's the other thing I would say. No, like, look, and I don't want to get slammed for this. I, I would love to live in that house. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But if I'm spending twenty nine million dollars on a house, yeah, clearly I can live anywhere I want at that point. I would imagine. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm choosing (laughs) hot Florida. Yeah, (laughs) you see where Brady's daughter didn't want to eat outside because it was too hot. (laughs) She goes, "It's true." He did an interview, and it was like. Yeah, we eat out. You know, we have dinner outside on the on the porch there by the water, and, and, and his daughter goes, "Daddy, I don't want to eat out there. It's too hot." She's right. It's and too hot. And I'm with her. I hate. I'm one of these guys that you know how you'll go to like the Soho area. You you know in Tampa you'll go to Hyde Park or something like that, and you have these restaurants that have the outdoor tables. And without fail, my wife will go, "Hey, you want to eat outside?" Now she's known me for twenty something years, right? <laughs> And and at no point in my life, okay, have I said, "Hey, honey, you want to go? You want to go down to this restaurant and you know we'll just we'll, we'll sit outside and eat there." Yeah. Like, I think it's the worst idea in the state of Florida. I'm not even sure where I would do it because I also have this thing where, okay, so I'm eating a meal, right, and I'm sitting outside on a terrace or what, whatever, right. And literally on the other side of my table is a sidewalk, right? <laughs> yeah. Where people are going up and down with their dogs or their whatever the hell they're doing. And, and what's what are they looking at? My empty plate? Right. What I ordered? You know, my dirty dishes? Like, I just don't, I don't... Like, eating is not a voyeuristic type of opportunity, right? I don't necessarily have to be outside to watch people walk up and down the street. 
what's my view? You know, right, if right. I'm, I'm, I'm a, if I'm steeped over the Grand Canyon, maybe, you know, or if I'm in Napa and I'm looking at, but if I'm just like on a sidewalk in a street, what's yeah. the advantage to being no, outside when it's so you. damn and, and hot? And I do that. I, I sometimes will eat downtown back before COVID. Obviously, I would eat in downtown St. Petersburg, like on Beach outside? Drive. Yeah, Beach Drive. We'd sit outside or whatever. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know. mean, you used like, to do it like once in a while, like Chataway, you know, for the yeah, burgers or whatever. Right, right. I still, yeah. In fact, I went to that was the hot only place too. I've gone. Yeah, it is hot. It's super hot, and it's no. I, I look. I, t- I totally get that. But this, uh, and and look, just to be clear, I'm not making fun of Davis Island or whatever. Oh, it's beautiful out there. It is. It's nicer than where I live. I'll give you that. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm. If I'm going to spend twenty nine million, I'm looking at. I'm looking at the place? ocean. No, I'm looking at the ocean. I'm looking That's, at. Well, I'm yeah, looking at I mean, Central could, Park. I'm looking at. Yeah, you I'm could definitely at, build uh, something what's, out what's there. What's the main? I'm looking at Lake, uh, the lake in Chicago. You know, I'm. That's yeah. where I'm spending twenty nine million. I'm, I'm, Lake I'm Shore, looking over yeah. the Pacific Ocean in Malibu. You know, I see. But if you had to live in Tampa, then that's the greatest address. It's just in Tampa, hard to be right? to wrap my brain around twenty nine million. And how do you set the price too? Twenty nine. Like that's a. That sounds um, like it's you know. Well, I don't. I'm not spending well, thirty. So you well, well, well twenty nine ninety nine. You know, kind of. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's it's um. It's so large that if you just based it on square foot in that yeah, area, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, you're probably going to get there, you know, because everything's going to be a large a large number per square foot, and you just happen to have an airplane hangar. I mean, when you could park, you know, Air Force One inside somebody's house, that's pretty big. So, aren't you too like? And, and let me ask you this: If do you want to own like the the most gaudy house in the neighborhood? Do you? You know. <laughs> Have I mean that house here? is so much. Have you, Tom, have you what's, been here? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> have, have I'm been, just saying. Have you been over the, here? What's the what's the what is the neighbor's <laughs> no. house worth? The neighbor's house is not worth anything no, close to twenty nine million, right? No, because when you go, so aren't there, you kind of an a hole? Like if you live in that house, kind of. No, you're just no? A, you're just the richest guy on the block, is what you are. <laughs> I no, like Jeter, I'll Jeter. Give, I get it. Jeter's Jeter. I get it. But it's like now, if I'm just like Joe Schmo. But I'm you're not, not building a house. I mean, seriously, you're not. When you have that kind of, you know, first of all, when you're him and you, you know, who's he married to again? Uh, Hannah. Hannah Model. Whatever yeah, her name she's is. a model. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, and I mean, when you're when you're a celebrity and you're this and you're rich. Hannah and you're Davis, all, I think is her name. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You don't. Care, I mean, do you really care that? Oh, oh, there. Look at this guy. Oh, here. Look, but look, no, I mean, isn't there something as he's he driving? Oh, they're going to Jeter's. They're going to pulling into their <laughs> mansion. I. Halloween, they give out the best candy. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're giving away. Oh, they serve great food. full chocolate bars house. over there. It's the whole Snickers. It's not those little. little they don't little, give the mini ones. They give the whole no, bar. Yeah. They are the big, the big fat bar, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're mad at them, right? You're like, right, that's what I'm saying. Like, God, oh, yeah, I, that's the way I would look at. Them. Who do they think they are? It's kind of like you know who he thinks he is. Jeter. Think he's Derek, Derek Jeter. Jeter. I, guess so. I guess so. I guess so. I just like it's, it's Tom Brady, you know. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose it just seems like. But it that. does beg the question: Where's Brady going to live? Right. Or maybe, or maybe, maybe this is a short-term <laughs> That's true. situation here in Tampa. I don't know. That's yeah. Like, what happens first? I think he really Jeter likes sell, Jeter sells yeah. the house, or because nah, I noticed Brady's I not know. stepping up to buy it, and he can afford it. No, he ain't buying that thing. No. No way. Right, because he's out of here. 
Well, I don't know about that. If, they lose, if Bruce Arians yell, really, yells at him one more time, that's it. He's leaving. <laughs> I'm telling you, I heard that um, he really likes Florida. Now, his daughter doesn't like eating outside, but I heard that he really Nobody, likes. I'm with his daughter on this. Nobody. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. I've lived in Florida since ni- basically since 1982. And I'm you ever hot. have those days where you wake up on – like the garbage comes at my house Tuesdays in October. And, Tuesdays and Fridays, the garbage comes at my house, and you wake up like Tuesday morning. And you're you like, oh, I gotta get, the, I gotta get the garbage down to the curb. Yeah, and I walk outside literally, and I, I don't since I don't, I'm not like I don't live in a Jeter house, so it's yeah. not that long a walk down my driveway. Yeah, and I come back in, and I'm one of those guys like, man, is it hot outside? It's <laughs> yeah. like seven thirty. But his daughter doesn't like eating outside now. What about December when? That's You've got true. two feet of oh, snow in Boston, and you, you oh, yeah. Dad, can we eat outside tonight? And you love well, it. Well, but you know what? You say yeah, that, but kids, 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 you know, when they grow up in a certain part of the country, what they know is, is, their, is what they know. Right. And um, she was already asking. Again, I, read, I have to read all these interviews. It's not that I'm, you know, trying to find out everything I can about, about the Brady children. <laughs> but <laughs> these are in interviews. So. Um, but basically, it was, it was sort of like, hey, do they do thank – do they do uh, – um, do they do Halloween down here? Do they do Thanksgiving down here? Mm. It's a legitimate question, yeah, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you live up north, that's that's a rite of passage. You know, Halloween means one thing. Uh, you know, yeah. Put yeah, on your Batman outfit. Soon. Yeah, you put on your <laughs> Batman outfit over your parka. That's what I did when I was a little <laughs> well, that's, kid. Well, that's you know what? That's part of the charm, though. Right. And um, and down here, it's not that at all. So. Um, I when, get it. When my wife and I moved to Minneapolis, we when she moved up there. It was December first, oh. and so you know we we good, good ch- moved good up, time. got in our apartment, and we walked down the street just to take a walk around. It's you know it's snowing and it's you know twenty degrees outside, and we laughed because every restaurant had signs outside it said "Please see host for outdoor seating." We're like, really? <laughs> and that's for the summertime, but the signs up year round. <laughs> yeah. So I that's always my- our joke is you know it's twenty below and it's you know please see host for outdoor seating. <laughs> Exactly. My my son went. To, uh, I had both of my kids were up there. When we went to when they were in school, they would when we were touring schools up there, they would say. And for recess, uh, as long I think the I think the cutoff was anything below fourteen degrees. They didn't go outside. Jeez. Like like eighteen it was like ah oh, we'll go outside when it's eighteen, you know. But if it was like below fourteen, <laughs> so or oh my god. But twenty nine million dollars. I I just still can't get over that. That's it's. That's nothing. It's a ridiculous amount of It's one season for Tom Brady plus endorsements. And you know what's funny? I was watching. I don't know. You know, sometimes you go on YouTube. I don't even know how it. You go on YouTube and they have suggested videos for you. I don't even know why this came up on my suggested video. But it was Scottie Pippen. Architectural Digest did like a tour of Scottie Pippen's house in Chicago. Yeah. And they had like the pool and he had like a spa and he had like a steam room and all this other stuff. The coolest thing in the world is he had a basketball court, like in his basement. Well, yeah, Jordan like had f- that, yeah. F- and that's what, I like, guess, a kid, I always... So when I read Brady, like, when I was reading the, or the Jeter House, everything that it has, it has a wine cellar, and I am I drink wine, but not enough to fill up a wine cellar. And it had a movie... Like, everybody has a movie theater. Like, oh, we gotta have a movie theater. Like, to me, that's kind of cliche. But I was, like, I kept looking for... Like, I, growing up as a kid, I always thought it would be the coolest thing in the world to have a full court basketball court in my yeah. basement, you know, yeah. where you could play that would all, be cool. all year round, you know, at, at two in the morning if you wanted. That'd be cool. It would be the awesome, most awesome thing ever. But I'm not sure that the Brady's house has that. It or doesn't do sound like it did. No, it had a gym, it said. 
And maybe because he didn't play basketball. I mean, Jordan had that. Right, right. You know. Look, I hope he sells it. Um, you know, I'd be curious to see who buys it. Well, but I, that means, to, I can't wait to see who buys it. That's the but most that will mean story. that will mean that Brady's got to move. And where does he move to? Mm-hmm. In the middle of a season, too. And well, he's not I, bunking I mean, with I, Bruce Arians, apparently. <laughs> no, because Arians hates him. No, they like. That's what him. I heard. Uh, he said they're fine. <laughs> we're fine. He goes. We were fine. Fine after the game. Fine in the morning. He could just go Let's over see. to Byron Leftwich's neighbor's house. He just walks in anyway. That's right. Just walks in, right? He can pick any house he wants, Tom. <laughs> I'll sell him mine. I'll sell it to mine. You know, just make it $29 million? It won't cost him that much. <laughs> Not quite. I have a number in mind. I'm sure he can match it. So we'll see. Anyway, check out TomJonesPointer.org. And he's good enough to join us uh, here uh, two days this week, which was awesome. Thanks, Tommy. Talk to you soon, Rick. See you. All right, my thanks to Tom Jones. Enjoy the uh, double playoff bound wins by the Tampa Bay teams, the Lightning and the Rays. We'll talk to you all on Monday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.